Well, I want to welcome you back to uh, Living a Whole Christian Life. This is Jim Schrader. I hope you've had a great week. And I'm so excited to be with you again today as we delve further into the idea of what does it mean to be whole, again, living a whole Christian life. Much of the material is based on my book, Holiness, with a WH, The Unified Pursuit of Health, Harmony, Happiness, and Heaven. So last week, we talked about four keys to what it means to be whole or live a life of holiness with a WH. The first is the idea that we are made in the image and likeness of God, and that applies to our whole self, not just the spiritual religious side of who we are. The second one is that we are one being composed of many parts. Each part has its own function, but all depend on one another. The third idea was that our health, harmony, happiness, and heaven, and ultimately our pursuit of holiness, depends on how well we adhere to God's design for the parts of our being and our being as a whole. And the fourth we talked about last week was that really all of these parts are part of a larger dimensions, the four dimensions of our being, our physical, our psychological, our social, and our spiritual selves. So this week, I'm really excited to talk to you about more about this idea of what does it mean to be whole or not whole in our daily lives? And so we're going to talk about conditions and consequences of not being whole. I think the first point we have to make here, though, is that none of us will ever completely embrace the idea of wholeness in this world. So we're all going to find ourselves compartmentalized at times or anxious or disconnected. But the reality is that the further away we get from being whole, the more difficult, unhappy, and really unhealthy we will become. So what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about four vignettes, four cases that really illustrate what happens when we move away from a sense of integration, a sense of wholeness, and we become more compartmentalized, more disconnected. And I'm actually going to begin with my own experience. I talked about this a couple of podcasts ago, but I'm going to go back to experience that I had almost around 15 to 20 years ago when I was on internship. And I described before the sense that there was a lot of stress that year. It was the last year before I graduated. My wife and I, we didn't have kids at that point, but we knew that life was going to be a lot of transitions coming up. And as that year of internship went on, I, I just felt myself more physically um, not feeling well. I just I had increased dizziness. There were times where I had chest tightness, even dull pain. And so at some point, I started to really worry, am I going to have a heart attack? Do I have cancer? Is there a tumor? What's going on? And so I went to the doctor, and I described all these symptoms to him. And you know, he ran a number of different tests, EKG. He went through chest X-ray. And as I said a couple podcasts ago, he finally came back to me and said, you know what, do you think you need a prescription of Zoloft? And I looked at him at the moment and I thought to myself, maybe I do. You know, here I was, a psychologist in training. I realized that stress was probably playing a role in what was going on, but I was very focused on the physical dimension. I was very focused on what I felt like was going wrong there. And I was convinced that it was really a physical cause, that, you know, that there was something physically wrong with me. So as he asked that question, I stepped back and to consider, one, it was great that all the tests had come back negative, but I, in my mind, was still not convinced. And so I put that on pause and I went into search. And really that search continues to this day to ask myself what really was going on there. Well, as I thought more about it, I recognized there were a lot of things going on there and that I was far from being whole in the way that I needed to be. You know, I was focused again on the physical aspects of my stress and what was happening, but the reality was that there was a lot of anxiety, that I had kind of created a rigid situation for myself. 
you know, that my schedule had to be a certain way, that I felt like I had to perform a certain way. And so as that anxiety increased, I wasn't doing a good job of managing it. I prided myself on being an active person, but when I stepped back and looked at what I was doing, I biked at that point some, but when it got cold, I recognized that for five to six months, I really wasn't doing anything to be active. And when I looked at the diet that I was eating more and more, I realized that my diet wasn't as healthy as I would have liked to thought it was. was. It was really actually way more processed. It wasn't the diet certainly of what I eat today, but it really wasn't the diet of being healthy in general. But beyond the physical side, I also recognized that there was a real social disconnect. You know, here I was going through a lot of stress and there were actually other things going on with my wife in general at the time. And I wasn't even talking to her about this. I had become socially disconnected. The friends that I had, I had friends, but we weren't really having conversations and I certainly wasn't open about this particular stress. And so here I was going in for this physical complaint, but the reality is I'm finding psychologically things are driving this. And then I'm finding out socially, hey, you're not anywhere near where you need to be there. You're not connected. You're not vulnerable. You're not open to others about things that are really happening. And then from the spiritual side, something else began to set in with me. I was going to church at that time. I actually would a couple times, sometimes even going during the week. But my relationship with God was, in some ways, it was disconnected in itself. It was a comfortable, what I would say, more formal relationship But I really wasn't cultivating that relationship, that intimate closeness with God that I later would realize was so important. So here I was presenting the doctor, convinced that there was something physically wrong with me. And the reality is the physical concerns were probably the least of my issue. That psychologically, I really wasn't where I needed to be. That socially, I certainly wasn't as connected, that I wasn't as honest and vulnerable. And spiritually, my relationship with God And the place of just my religiosity in general was just not in the place it needed to be. So I begin with my own example to say, in my lack of wholeness, I recognize, I began to recognize a real need and a desire to see the integration in my life and also to recognize the parts that weren't integrated. But I'm going to use three other examples. Um, I pulled these from the book here as we talk about today. What does it mean to not be whole? And how many times in your own life as you're listening, do you really see yourself like starting out with one type of complaint? Maybe it's a physical concern or maybe you feel lonely. But as you step back and look at your life, you recognize that's just the beginning. In fact, maybe the symptoms themselves aren't even really the causes of my concern. Maybe they're just what I see on the surface. So I begin with this idea of a 20-something female who presents to a psychology clinic for depression and generalized anxiety. Although she's seemingly of average weight, her diet has consisted of fast food, cheap snacks, and artificial drinks, and candy since an early age. She's never engaged in physical activity unless forced by her teachers and hasn't seen a wooded trail in years. She sleeps about five hours a night while frequently spending the majority of her evenings online. Her parents are married but communicated little while growing up, and she reports that her current relationship with them is rather detached. She has the reputation of being rather demanding in social circles and never joining any groups or clubs through her schooling years. She goes to a local Christian church, but prays only when things are going very bad. So here she is presenting to a psychology clinic. She's convinced that anxiety is her problem, and she's asking for psychological help. But the reality is that that might be the least of her concerns. Vignette number two. A father of four children comes to his priest stating that he does not feel close to God and is lost in his faith. 
He says he has a number of friends, but times together usually revolve around beer, poker, and sports, which leads his, quote, old lady to roll her eyes in disgust. Communications remain rather superficial for him. He finds himself increasingly fearful about going outside of his routine. Always somewhat anxious, he now regularly experiences panic attacks going into stores, but tries to act as if nothing is wrong. He regards psychologists and their psychobabble as useless, not willing or interested to seek out professional help. Instead, he resorts to drinking on various points during the day to take the edge off. Once a star baseball player in high school, he now finds himself 40 pounds overweight and increasingly inactive. So he presents here for a spiritual problem, right? He went to his priest. But really, faith might be the least of his issues. Vignette number three. Finally, an adolescent boy complains to his counselor that he has no friends. Although his weight remains within normal limits, for years he has been binging and purging food after witnessing domestic violence between his parents for much of his life. Once a young boy with natural athletic talent, he stopped playing sports years ago and became a gamer, often spending upwards of seven or more hours a day staring at a screen. His mother has tried to get him involved in a youth group at their church in addition to going to weekly services. He tells her that church is too boring and prayer never helps anyone. He says that he doesn't have anything in common with them anyway. And actually, he's not even sure if God exists. So this boy comes complaining to his counselor of feeling alienated and all alone, of feeling disconnected from his peers. But the reality is that might be the least of his worries. So here we are those four vignettes, again, remember my own story at the beginning. I came presenting with physical complaints of dizziness and a sense of what I felt was cardiac tightness and pain. You know, we have this woman presenting with anxiety at a psychology clinic. We have this father of four who comes to his priest and says he doesn't feel close to God. And then finally, we have this adolescent boy who says to his counselor that he's alone and feels like he doesn't have any friends. The idea here is that the symptom itself, not that it's not important, but actually maybe the least of its concerns, because as we step back and we take a whole view, a very complete integrated perspective, we recognize that the symptom itself may just be the manifestation of a lot of compartmentalization and really of disconnection of the parts from the whole being. It's a hard thing. I think in this world, we're often taught to compartmentalize. Think about it. We have medical specialties all over. We have people in specific roles, and so we go to them. And as a psychologist myself, I'll tell you that many times when people come to me and they're looking for help, let's say, with depression and anxiety, they expect that we're going to talk this through. They expect that it's going to be something like insight-oriented talk therapy. And then when I start to talk about, though, the idea that what we eat and how much we move, and how we sleep, and what we do with others, and even potentially the spiritual aspect, may actually be very connected to their concerns. In some ways, I would say that they're not overly surprised with that, but in some ways, I would say that there's a look to me like, this isn't what I expected here. This isn't the kind of psychological treatment I thought I was coming in for. But what I found in my world, in my professional world, and of course, it applies to everything that we're going to talk about this year, is that if we don't address the whole aspects of our being, if we don't address those major pieces, those dimensions, again, the physical, psychological, social, and even spiritual dimension, that I as a psychologist can give you this, what I think is a great treatment for anxiety, 
but it's probably going to fall flat. Because if you're eating in ways that don't actually support emotional regulation, right? If you are not engaging with others in an open, intimate, vulnerable way, again, at least with those people that you know closely, if you've had a spiritual life that has really fallen out of favor, or you're questioning even that sense of, of where you're at in that world, everything I'm going to do for your anxiety simply may not have the framework to sustain itself to go forward. Honestly, it's an inconvenient truth in some ways, but it's a real truth that over and over, I feel like that it becomes self-evident that what we do as a whole being affects all the parts and the parts themselves affect the whole being. People might ask, what does eating have to do with praying, right? What does socializing have to do with our anxiety? What does how much I move have to do with my depressed mood? What does even magically, and we'll talk about this much later, a fascinating way that what does what I write about have to do with my lung functioning? I mean, how in the world can what I write about improve my, not only my lung functioning, but my immunity and actually improve cardiac outcomes? It seems almost so mystical. It seems otherworldly in many ways. And you might just think to yourself, like, really? Are you really speaking from a place that makes sense here? But the interesting, fascinating thing about it is that I'm not just speaking from a place of personal experience. I'm not speaking just from a place of our theological understanding of this image and likeness of ourselves as God would have. I'm speaking of thousands and thousands of research studies that support everything that we're saying here. So what does one part have to do with another? Well, in many ways, it has everything to do with the other. That's Jim Schrader. Hope you guys have a great week. Be holy, be whole.